it's bad and bullshit. First of all, before I start, I have to do some housekeeping. You can support the podcast. Um, it's only $7 a month, which is the price of a grande. You know I'm right. At badandbitchy.com. Rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also share with your networks. If you have any questions or comments about any of the episodes, or you have suggestions for subjects or something like that, contact us by email, badandbpod at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at badandbitchy and Instagram at badandbitchypod. Okay, let's get it. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy podcast. Uh, Today, we have, again, a special guest. Jeremy Appel, uh, writer, freelance writer out of Alberta and writer of Substack, The Orchard, which I really recommend. It is really good stuff. If you want to learn more about Alberta and what the hell's going on with Danielle Smith and all of the craziness that will be exported to the rest of Canada. Mark my words. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, great to be here, uh, Erica. Mm-hmm. I like I like the the new format. Uh, I was I've listened to your uh, most recent episodes, uh, your interview with uh, Rachel Gilmore, which was great, and then your sort of uh, solo episode where you talked about you know all sorts of things, and I, I thought it was really good. Thank you. I decided to that I was going to do this like the way I want to do it and the way I've always wanted to do it with the people I want to do it with, you know, and that's been like freeing for me. So I get to do really good work, be satisfied with what I put out there. Um, so let's get started. So first of all, let's start with your book. Jeremy's book is called Kennyism, Jason's, Jason Kenny's Pursuit of Power. So tell us about how you got the idea from the book for the book and why Kenny? Well, uh, I think uh, the answer to those two questions is, is, is the same. Uh, I had told myself going into 2022, you know, I'd been a freelancer, uh, like a full-time freelancer, no uh, part-time job. Uh, for a few months. And so I had all this time on my hands. Now I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book that, or not that I'm going to write a book this year, but I'm going to at least propose a book and send out book proposals and, you know, see where that goes. And I had no idea what I was going to write about. Kenny at the time was uh, deeply unpopular. And I knew he had this leadership review coming up. I figured you know, he's going to skate by and, uh, probably win the 2023 election because he's Jason Kenney and he has this, he's really, uh, I think done a good job of cultivating this image uh, of himself as this political uh, chess uh, grandmaster, you know, and, and, and there's truth to that. I think he's a good politician. I, he's a damn good politician. Yeah. If it were for COVID, we might be seeing a different, you know, he would, I believe he would still be there. Yeah. And I think he would be doing most of what Danielle Smith's doing now. Then the, the, so anyways, I had this in the back of my mind. Okay. I'm going to write a book proposal. I'm going to try and shop it around or whatever. I didn't know about what. And then the leadership review happens and Kenny gets a bare minimum, right? 51.4%. And you've seen Alberta premiers, conservative Alberta premiers step down after getting like 75%, right? And and so that's like a severely divided party that he was presiding over. And she had said in the run-up, because he was confident that he was going to get like at least 60%. And he was just like, no, 50% plus one, that's all I need. It's a democracy. And of course, that's not all you need to lead a political party. But that's what he said. And they got 
50% plus one. And uh, then he announced he was stepping down. And I was just like, whoa, I did not, right? Holy shit, I did not see that coming. I mean, and I talk about this in the book. I moved to Alberta uh, from Toronto. That was a month after I came to Alberta, Kenny won the leadership of the PC party on a OneNote platform of abolishing the PCs and uniting with the Wild Rose to have this united conservative party to go up against the NDP in 2019, which he did in the UCP leadership race, um, uh, a leadership race which is still under investigation uh, by the RCMP seven years later for uh, alleged electoral fraud. Oh, still? Still. Yeah, I, what, once he became leader of the UCP, it was like, okay, he's going to be premier, and he's going to be premier for as long as he wants before he probably returns to Ottawa, right? That that was That's what we all thought, that he was kind of going to ride into Ottawa and um, and go back to the National PC Party. Yeah, the CPC, uh, which she also played a key role in in, in forming by uniting the PCs and uh, the Reform Party and then right. the Alliance. He was uh, he was a big part of Preston Manning's uh, what was called the United Alternative in strategizing how to expand the reform party's support to eastern canada people who've historically and continued to vote pc while at that time the pcs weren't willing to to merge with reform right uh they were like no 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 no. they right under jean charret actually they pivoted to the right to try and win back some reform supporters Mm -hmm. and then under joe clark uh, they went back to what they were like when he was prime minister for, you know, a second in mm-hmm. the late seventies, the sort of more, uh, uh, centrist centrist party that accepted the progressive liberal consensus right. of the top that the state could actually do things to make people's lives better. And then, and then eventually, uh, of course they needed, a PC leader so unprincipled that he would just be like, yeah, okay, fuck it. We'll <laughs> merge. And that was Peter McKay, of course, um, who <laughs> only won the PC leadership race in, uh, I believe it was 2003. Yes. Because he got, he promised David Orchard that he would never merge with what then was by that point, the Canadian Alliance. Right. Because the PCs wouldn't cooperate. So the, the strategy that was uh, spearheaded in part by Kenny was, okay, let's just rebrand. We're the Canadian Alliance, get a new leader, because Preston Manning is, is seen as this like Western Canadian populist. We'll get Stockwell Day to do it. He used to be an auctioneer. He'll just focus on economics, even though- Wait, his... what? The auctioneer will focus on economic What? He used to be an auctioneer, Stockwell Day. And he's the economist guy, the economics guy? Well, no, he's a huge social conservative, but he was the treasurer under Ralph Klein. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who, who brought in a flat tax. And so as and we see this repeatedly again in Kenny's efforts to merge the PCs and Wild Rose in Alberta. It's this commitment to neoliberal economics that is able to bridge over any divides between the sort of more populist and establishment right is at the end of the day that's all they want is to lower taxes some of them uh want a more coercive role for the state in terms of uh harsh criminal justice measures having more religious uh influence on on uh public affairs but the thing they all agree on is just we want to pay less taxes yeah 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 and and um but anyways, I so I so what Kenny could have done after Harper lost in 2015 was what Polyev did, and that is just sit, sit around in Ottawa, start you know building up this this social media following of I think a lot of people who probably aren't necessarily diehard partisan conservatives, 
And and then just wait in the wings while uh, people like Andrew Shear and Aaron O'Toole uh, lose to Trudeau, though do make a significant dent in his support. And then once everyone's fed up with Trudeau, leap into action, which Polyev did. Or he decides to take a gamble and go to Alberta and attempt to repeat his past feat of uniting to uh, conservative parties and having them sort of pick their battles mm-hmm. for the sake of power, which is something Kenny learned to do eventually, uh, right? He thought, I, I mean, around like 2006, because they saw in 2004 how Martin hammered Harper about how uh, the conservatives were a bunch of religious extremists who harbor this hidden agenda. Um, and Kenny was a big part of that messaging, right? Because he was he was speaking at the March for Life, um, right, and 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 making no bones about his you know sort of authoritarian uh, social views about controlling uh, people's sexual relations. But then Harper clamps down on that, and it's like, no, 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 no. we're not doing this shit. Like, yeah, like whatever MPs they can say whatever they want, but. The decisions I'm making are going to be focused on lowering taxes and in terms of foreign policy, uh, furthering Canada's integration into, um, you know, U.S. uh, imperial uh, efforts. Not that Canada hadn't been before, but we'd at least pretended to be more like neutral. Yeah. I'm thinking things like uh, the situation in Palestine. Yeah. Yeah. where Harper, I mean, there, there's not a damn thing Israel could do in Harper, Polyev, and Kenny would oppose it, right? And uh, and, and you've seen that. I, I mean, the fact that it took Trudeau three months to vote for a ceasefire, chiefless, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, UN General Assembly resolution calling for a ceasefire while then doing nothing to make mm-hmm. it a reality by, you know, putting pressure on the party to the conflict that we sell arms to tells you uh, about how discourse on that topic in particular has shifted. My focus on Kenny's role in the Harper years was mostly on citizenship and immigration because that's where he was for the longest time. And that's where I think he left his personal stamp the most on uh, Canadian uh, policy by sort of shifting the the sort of criteria for what immigrants were going to be allowed into Canada and given like a fast track to to permanent residency and then citizenship from taking it from like family reunification uh-huh. to what do employers need? What do they want? Mm-hmm. Right. By the time uh Kenny was employment minister in twenty fourteen, where he shuffled from citizenship and immigration or actually i think this happened right before he was shuffled to employment but he created this is the the ministry created this like database where uh employers could sort of put in what sort of criteria they were looking for and uh fish these uh people who'd applied for immigration or permanent residency status out of like what he called a pool um, of uh, prospective immigrants, and he likened it to uh, a dating website for for businesses. Not that he would know anything about uh, dating, but that and that and then combining that with these incredibly harsh, this incredibly harsh approach towards asylum seekers and 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 refugees, oh. um, it, who he was constantly vilifying as queue jumpers. Meanwhile, he was literally inviting people in certain fields of work, like IT, Uh to jump to the front of the queue. These uh, asylum seekers who weren't seen as being valuable to Canada economically, who weren't seen as fulfilling the neoliberal agenda we're, we're just cast out. Like, we're going to deport you quicker. Uh, he cracked down on temporary foreign workers who had overstayed their welcome. He t- 
talked about how there's this mass citizenship fraud happening and there are these thousands of fake Canadian citizens who have actually no connection to Canada and you set up this tip line to to snitch on them uh-huh. and 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 he made this big show about how there's this major problem and it was vastly overstated i mean the police looked into it and they ended up stripping very few people's citizenships but Kenny Wood, who's very media savvy, going back to his time at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation uh, in the 1990s, when the liberals were um, unleashing this this austerity that we're still living with the consequences of in housing, in healthcare, in welfare, he, and he was constantly cheering them on and pushing them to go further and further. And that's why he found uh, home in the Reform Party, because they were also saying, oh, yeah, no, this is a good start. Gutting all these social programs, good, but we need to do more. We need to just get rid of the debt while cutting people's taxes, right? And um, media, um, I mean, part of it was media savvy on Kenny's part, I think, because he was always good for a nice quip. But also it was a sympathetic media too. Uh, you know, you saw the Southern papers like the Calgary Herald and uh, Edmonton Journal, which are now post-media papers, just giving free advertising. Anything the Canadian Taxpayers Federation said, that would be the story. And then they would go... Uh, to one of the politicians they were criticizing for some like bland uh, filler comments. But let's, um, you talked about the merging of the PCs of Alberta and the Wild Rose. Um, can you talk a little bit about the Wild Rose and um, Danielle Smith's Wild Rose origin? Yes. So this is interesting, too, because basically the Wild Rose kind of comes out of nowhere in 2009. And its leader, a guy named Paul Himman, who now is like an outright uh, Alberta separatist, wins a by-election in Glenmore, Calgary Glenmore, which is like a suburban uh, Calgary riding that actually the NDP hold now um, for the first time ever. They, they won it in their last election by pledging to uh, eliminate small business taxes and uh, not talk about climate change. But um, this is sort of like almost like a a Canadian version of like, I would liken it to sort of the Tea Party movement that's taking off in the States around that time in in response to Obama. Um, Ed Stelmack, who was the PC premier at the time. Didn't they hate him? They ha- oh they hate him so much because he was I, much more. I thought I thought he was a good dude, like given the circumstances, because he raised the royalties. I remember being Alberta, being in Alberta when he was talking about raising the royalties from oil companies for the oil sands, and yeah. people friggin' hated it. Right? Yeah, they, they were hated it. They were comparing him to Hugo Chavez. <laughs> yeah. It was like the rhetoric was unhinged. And this yes. is where the Wild Rose uh, comes in. Uh, Danielle Smith uh, becomes their leader. Um, and she was a radio host, right? Yeah, she was a radio host. She was a she, well, she was like an intern at the Fraser Institute in the nineties, who went on to become. Uh, Calgary uh, Board of Education trustee. That board was so dysfunctional that it was disbanded by the conservative provincial government. Um, and there was at one point she she got a nickname actually, Trash Can Danny. Do you know the origins of that name? No. So apparently during the Calgary uh, after a Calgary Board of Education meeting. Because there's a, so it was basically her, and there was another like right wing uh, trustee that the solution to everything for them was just close more schools and sell them off as as charter schools, right? Because Alberta is the only province in Canada with charter schools. Now, 
it was very fractious. And so the the I guess the more progressive, the centrist, the more and left-leaning trustees were like passing notes around with each other. And then they would rip them up and throw them away after. And Danielle once fished some of these notes out of the garbage can and taped them together to argue that these these progressive trustees were bullying her and her uh, other uh, uh, her conservative uh, colleague. And so uh, that's how she got named Trash Can Dan. Now, like any uh, failed conservative politician, what happens next? She gets a column at the Calgary Herald, which by that point, I believe, was owned by Can West, right? Is he asked right. her? Right. Um, and she quickly, like, rose the ranks to their editorial board. Uh, she wrote all sorts of insane things about how smoking is actually good for you. Um, really awful, like anti-indigenous stuff about how the 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 problem uh, with indigenous people is that they don't have a concept of property rights, and that needs to be sort of introduced to them. This Tom Flanagan uh, narrative, who was a mentor of hers at, when she was at the University of Calgary, um, and she also uh, scabbed. Uh, during the Calgary Herald strike uh, from 1999 to 2000, uh, she crossed the picket line, as did uh, Don Martin, uh, who's now at CTV. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Braid, who's still at the Herald, was a scab there. Uh, a lot of familiar names uh, uh, crossed the picket line there. Um, and actually, I noticed, because I was reading for, for the book, I was reading a lot of old Herald articles about like the early Reform Party days, right? And then going from Reform to Alliance, which they did in 2000. She also got a radio show um, on Chorus. And, and she's a very talented broadcaster. I mean, if you listen to her speak, she is... I don't think she's very... I, I You hear people who knew her back in the day say, oh, she was such a brilliant student. I find it hard to believe. But she is a very gifted communicator. I, I I will give her that. You know, my last like column, I talked about, I started it off just talking about, you know, everybody thinks she's crazy, but she doesn't sound it. Exactly. If you, she's so good at that. She's so good. And I remember um David Cochran was was interviewing her last week or something like that. Yeah. Or the week before. And he's asking these typical, you know, media questions, um, trying to hold her to account. And she just sidestepped him. She, she runs told, laps. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and I was just like, dude, <laughs> like she is she's she's she's, you know, completely like dancing around you. She's yeah, very yeah. good. When I saw her at the um at the debate, the provincial debates, I was like, my goodness. Oh, it, she dominated that. Yeah. Debate. Yeah, she did. So I don't Do you think remember people understand Sorry. how how good she is at communications. So she has this media experience. She has a politics experience. She runs the leadership of the Wild Rose. And, and and basically, the Wild Rose uh, at this time is divided uh, between this more like religious, social conservative wing and the sort of libertarian stuff wrapped together in this bow of 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 like populist grievance, right? And so Smith is from the libertarian wing, right? Like she's not religious, uh, you know, until, uh, well, I mean, she still claims she's pro, uh, LGBTQ rights, but, uh, obviously, uh, she's not, but, um, it, it's very interesting because that type of libertarianism is exactly what sowed her demise. So in 2012 was big election where Wild Rose was expected to win, right? The PCs had been in power forever, uh, Stelmack was replaced by Allison Redford, and what a disaster were... that was! Yeah, and this was before all the scandals with Redford came out, right? Um, but Danielle Smith was seen as likely to win, and then there were a series of missteps. People, 
the big one people remember is, of course, uh, Alan Huntsberger, the uh, Wilders candidate who's like this preacher uh, who had a blog post saying that gay people are going to burn in uh, Lake of Fire for eternity. That came out. I remember uh, the Lake of Fire. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember it. And I didn't even live in Alberta at the time. But I actually, I had a friend who was from Calgary who was like explaining the election to me. And he's like a progressive guy. He's like, I'm voting conservative because I don't want Danielle Smith to be premier. Um, and Because that was a the thing then too, because the, you, t- right? Historically, the liberals were the main opposition to the PCs in Alberta. And they, all their seats were essentially concentrated in Edmonton, maybe a couple in Calgary. Um, and, uh, but then by, uh, that election, it became clear that it was actually the wild rose. That was the main opposition towards the PCs. So a lot of, a lot of unions too, even backed the, back the PCs. Um, cause also, as we said, Stelmach was more on the progressive side of the progressive conservatives. Like he did more to challenge the oil and gas industry than Rachel Notley did. Um, and I, this was also during the financial crisis, right? So he, he sort of embraced this, like many, uh, leaders across the, uh, Western world, including Harper embraced this like neoliberal version of Keynesianism, um, that was like, yes, we'll give money to big businesses to ensure that they don't implode. Um, but if you're an individual who is losing their job, tough shit. Um, and to be so, honest, that sounds like the um, liberal government's approach to media. Yeah, I mean, the liberal government's approach to everything, really. Um, but yeah, I, I saw Trudeau's uh, remarks that uh, Bell's layoffs were a garbage decision. And it's like, yeah, it's too bad there isn't someone in power who can maybe limit corporations' abilities to make these sorts of decisions. Um, or put strings on... Um, on, on like, uh, grants on... Grants, yeah, on yeah. local gen- journalism initiative fundings. Yeah. Yeah, damn. If he should run for office <laughs> on the platform. Knew, if only we knew somebody like that. Yeah. But anyway, so Smith... Uh, so anyways... It, this this blog post from Huntsberger is unleashed onto into Alberta media, probably by Redford's people. Um, uh, her campaign at this time is run by this huge dickhead named Stephen Carter, um, who uh, has a lot of success as a political strategist. He actually worked for Danielle Smith before that and got fired and then went to work for Redford, which is... Uh, he doesn't like to talk about that uh, aspect so much, but... Um, uh, but yeah, Redford won a majority, uh, other things Smith did in that campaign was talk about how the science isn't settled on climate change and other things that Albertans were just like, no, we're better than this. We, we're not like, yeah, we are conservative, uh, right. We love our oil and gas industry. We love having, lots of public services and not having to pay lots of taxes to have them because royalties historically have paid for them. But this uh, lake of fire stuff, this climate change denial, this explicit climate change denial, because of course um, the approach of provincial NDP governments and federal liberals is also a form of climate denialism, but it's one that is wrapped in talking about how climate change is an urgent concern. Um, and Smith loses, but she, she, I mean, she becomes the leader of opposition, right? So things are promising for her. Um, then there are all these scandals, uh, facing Alison Redford. Uh, she resigns. Dave Hancock becomes interim premier. He was Stelmach's education minister, and then Jim Prentice is elected uh, the PC leader and thus premier, who is a former Harper cabinet minister. He came back to Alberta. And what Danielle Smith does in an early effort at uniting the right is she and more than half her caucus 
from the Wild Rose cross the floor to the PCs. And I remember, uh, again, I, I, as a, as a, you know, journalism or I was a graduate student in Toronto, um, watching this and I didn't, I mean, my dad lived in Alberta for a couple of years in the eighties and I, I, I visited because we had a family friend who lived here and, but I didn't really have a much of a connection to Alberta beyond that. But I remember watching that and being like, whoa, Alberta politics is crazy. Like, um, and that was a catastrophic error on Smith's part by her own admission. She didn't like consult with the party grassroots or anything. And the whole thing about the Wild Rose was that it was this populist party where Stelmac and, and, and Redford had grown out of touch with what the uh, Alberta masses supposedly wanted. The Wild Rose was going to be different. It was going to be a grassroots party. And so that was a disaster for her and all the other people she brought along with her. None of them won their PC nominations for the next election. Uh, this fatigue with the PCs continued under um, Prentice. And uh, Rachel Notley wins in 2015. Um but also the the Wild Rose under Brian Jean's leadership becomes reinvigorated and it becomes the official opposition. And so that's where we we're at when Kenny, right, six months later, Harper loses, and Kenny's like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Alberta and actually create um what at the time had all the trappings of sort of like a like a a, a populist project to get support for merging the two parties from their grassroots rather than Danielle Smith just sort of joining the old PC club from above. And uh, that takes us through the Kenny years. And at first, the coalition that he's built is totally united. Again, they cut taxes. They got regulations. They impose all these various restrictions on organized labor that are still being challenged in court. Um, they expand charter schools. Um, they launch this like crusade against environmentalists, which they claim are like Notley and Trudeau were colluding with to to single out the the oil sands or her sands in Alberta for international condemnation, even though it's the the cleanest, most ethical oil in the world. And he does all these things that that bring people together. He he talks about how the equalization formula that he was part of the government that wrote uh, was unfair to Alberta because it takes money from Alberta. It doesn't actually take money from the province. It takes income tax revenue um, from high income earners, which are disproportionately in Alberta, and then distributes it to uh, less wealthy provinces, uh, chief among them Quebec, Quebec, which, yeah, which opposes pipelines. um, And he fuels these grievances. But Really, again, once it comes to the pandemic, that's when really the fissures uh, between uh, the Wild Rose and PC factions really start to emerge around COVID restrictions. And Kenny tries to please everyone, not just the party base, which is mostly against restrictions, but... um people in big cities too, who may have voted for the UCP, uh, hoping they would bring those, uh, oil and gas jobs back. Spoiler. They didn't. Um, and let's not forget he, the picture of him with like Tyler Sandro, who was, I think health minister at the time. Sandro, he was health Sandro, minister. Yeah. And then he became justice minister. Right. And, he lost, lost his uh, seat. His seat in yeah. uh, the last election. The last yeah. election. 
But there was a there was a picture of him on top of the building that had something to do with Allison Redford. Um, and they during COVID restrictions, they were just chilling with their alcohol. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The, what, one of those like Boris Johnson moments, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if Chandra was there, but it was the Sky Palace. Yeah, the see, Sky Palace. Yeah. Redford spent all the like millions of dollars to create it, build this like penthouse in the federal building in Edmonton. So it's really the symbol of like uh PC elite entitlement. And yeah, during the pandemic, while um, this was at a point when there were still restrictions in place, but Kenny did his uh, open for summer Hail Mary. That was like, if 70% of the population gets their first vaccine dose, we're reopening Canada Day 2021 and for good. We're never imposing restrictions again because people are going to get vaccinated. And then, of course, that happened. And then all the anti-lockdown people pivoted to being anti-vaxxers. And Kenny uh, promised there would be no vaccine mandate uh, by the end of the year. He imposed one, but he did so in a way that was really insulting to the intelligence of of uh, his opponents in the party by saying that it, it's not a vaccine passport. We're introducing new restrictions, which he promised were never going to happen again. But uh, businesses can opt out of those new restrictions by requiring proof of vaccination. So he called it the restrictions exemption program. And I mean, I don't have a high opinion of the intelligence of the sort of anti-restrictions uh, UCP base, but I don't think they're that stupid. And they were right. It was a vaccine passport and restrictions. There's, and And I think this symbolized his approach of trying to appeal to everyone to to fight and he 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 is just like yeah i i mean we did we did the right thing we had the loosest restrictions in canada but we also took the threat seriously and it, it's like no you you didn't you didn't you just kept dithering back and forth between imposing restrictions when it was too little, too late, and doing absolutely nothing and saying that COVID was just an influenza and it's really not that big of a deal and scolding people to take personal responsibility. And uh, you, he pleased no one, right? And, and that allowed forces inside the party to mobilize against him, against his leadership, right? His rural caucus in mid to early 2021 wrote an open letter to him uh saying that we can't have any restrictions whatsoever and that um Kenny's slogan throughout the pandemic was lives and livelihoods right so he put the economy on equal footing with people's lives in practice his policies privilege the 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 livelihoods over the lives clearly yeah. I mean you look at what happened in the meat packing industry and um were um, they actually I think Kenny struck down a lot of um inspectors and um unionization and like just like hazard and waste um restrictions too and so the 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 um virus just like went through it and you know with with the meat processing plants a lot of those employees are of filipino descent and um more asian descent and i remember in addition to meat packing he said something abominable about this virus being concentrated in the northeast calgary which mm -hmm. is where all the south asians and southeast asians are and i was just like what are you saying while well, we know what you're saying yeah yeah there was a ton of that he also made some flippant remark about this you know chinese uh bat soup virus or or, or something, right? And he was just, but at the end of the day, 
he had nothing but disdain for his own supporters who were like, no, 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 just let it rip. Like, do what Ron DeSantis did and, like, just keep the economy uh, roaring um, in, in defiance of this virus. And his goal was the same. It was to keep every, because that's in his entire political project, is to strengthen these existing power relations, whether it's through corporate or state power. Uh, this is in the midst of the deadliest wave of COVID, which was in Alberta, which was the second wave. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenny finally imposes some restrictions that don't make any sense. You can go to the mall, but you can't gather with a friend outside. Smith uh, quits her job at Chorus uh, as a radio host to make a statement about cancel culture. And the roots of this were early in the pandemic, she had tweeted about hydroxychloroquine being mm -hmm. 100% surefire cure for COVID, which upper management then made her delete. She also talked about how uh, drinking tonic water uh, built immunity uh, from COVID. He was on the Donald Trump track, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, okay, yeah, I I think people need to understand how strong the rural vote is in Alberta. Yeah, and I mean there are people also in the Calgary uh, suburbs, yeah. but those are people who would be more likely to be of the the sort of PC right, the Tory yeah. crowd. Yeah. Whereas the the more populous sentiments were coming from rural Alberta. Mm -hmm. And so Smith quits her radio show. She starts a newsletter and podcast where she just goes like fully uh headfirst into COVID conspiracies and talking about crypto and cancel culture and Jordan Peterson and uh just all these things. Um and what she's doing is she's building a dedicated following who are dissatisfied with Kenny, who voted for him in 2019. And they're disappointed that he not only was he not really doing anything about that, though I would argue his anti-environmentalist stuff did serve an important role in uh, casting a chill on environmental activism. The war room. Yeah, the war room, the inquiry, mm -hmm. um, both were, I mean, totaled, if you look at it um, in terms of, like, their stated goals, they were both mm -hmm. disaster, right? The and inquiry, Rachel, Rachel Notley really did nothing to, re, like, restore um, the environmental base, did she? No, not at all. Um, uh, not at all, really. And I mean, the, so the Alberta invite. NDP's environmental policy, I mean, they did do some good things, um, I think, in terms of, like, uh, expanding protections for parks, phasing out coal, uh, introducing a carbon tax, imposing a cap on tar sands emissions. But this was all done as a pretext for getting more pipelines built. So we're yeah. essentially meaningless. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and, and of course expanded the renewable, uh, sector in Alberta. Um, but yeah, I mean, Smith was essentially building an army and these people were, um, really integral in, in turfing, uh, Jason Kenney. And, um, she apologized for the floor crossing debacle. She said it was a mistake. She should have consulted with the party grassroots in that she wouldn't make that same mistake again. And she was going to be everything Jason Kenney said he was, but she was actually going to do it. She talks about the Alberta Sovereignty Act, which uh, was supposed to enable the Alberta government to just disobey federal laws it didn't like. It, um, you know, she invoked it for the first time. Danielle Smith is just like Trump you saw in the Republican uh, field in 2016. She was just driving the conversation. Mm -hmm. And all her supporters, I mean, all her opponents in the field would 
line up with the NDP to denounce her, like when she said on her podcast that uh, until you get to stage four cancer, every part of your diagnosis was a result of personal uh, decisions that you could have made differently. Right? She was simply saying cancer is a choice. <laughs> um, and everyone denounced her, but she was, again, leading the conversation. <laughs> and the Alberta Sovereignty Act, same thing. And so she won the leadership race. It ended up being, I think, closer than a lot of people expected because <laughs> Travis Taves was sort of the establishment candidate and that I think a lot and it was a ranked ballot and I think a lot of people who didn't like Kenny also didn't like Smith and so they went with Taves as sort of a, a, a more status quo politician that wouldn't depart too much from what Kenny uh, did but didn't have the same baggage he had accumulated over the past few years and yeah, and then she becomes premier. She introduces the Alberta Sovereignty Act in November of 2022. And the same day Jason Kenney announces he's stepping down from his seat and quitting politics, um, which I say in the book is an example of him evading the consequences or taking responsibility for his own actions for one last time. Mm-hmm. And so, and and so here we are uh today um and i'm i'm not convinced that uh much of what danielle smith is doing now is very different from what kenny uh would be doing had he attained power and and stayed on and i think he would have won re-election so what is what is the connection in the rhetoric and the policies to the larger CPC under Pierre Polyev? Um, well, I think uh, Polyev has done a similar thing as Danielle Smith has in Alberta and has just taken this approach that's fully in line with the party grassroots um, in a way that his predecessors particularly Aaron O'Toole, uh, didn't. And it's one that, like Smith, he 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 uses this sort of libertarian uh, rhetoric of just wanting everyone to be free, whether you're trans or transphobic, you know, Muslim or an Islamophobe. Like, I'm just creating this big tent for everyone. Now, she doesn't have, like Danielle Smith does, if you've ever met her, she does have this certain charm to her that is hard to explain um i understand it i can see yeah yeah because you're from alberta yeah 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 i could see it oh yeah doesn't have that i find him so profoundly unlikable it's actually remarkable that it's like he he's a meat you mean he's a caricature uh himself yeah in in this internet age it seems like that's all that matters, right? He's just like owning the libs on YouTube and um, has has just built up all this hype and this following uh, while other conservative leaders who were sort of moving in a confused direction in an effort to defeat Trudeau and were seen, whether rightfully or wrongfully, is trying to meet him halfway. Polyev is just like... Yeah, I'm the convoy guy. Like, I I support the convoy. I read Jordan Peterson. I, um, right, just all just sort of taking all these like online, uh, conservative conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories, and making it like palatable uh, for the mainstream. Talking about the World Economic Forum, which I mean, there's a lot, a lot to criticize about the World Economic Forum. I don't think either of us are fans of it, but. The, the the this idea that it's this elite cabal that is trying to uh get rid of capitalism and make everyone woke environmentalists is pretty laughable if you know anything about the world economic forum that is yeah it is laughable taken from like online far right media yeah 
I, but I think there's a difference, and I think Kenny encountered this when he went from federal politics to Alberta politics. Mm-hmm. Whereas in federal politics, you need to win over immigrant communities in the suburbs of Toronto and Vancouver. That's really the key to winning elections. Now, it's the 905, right? man. The 905 in whatever the area code outside in Surrey and Burnaby. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't think Burnaby is it's Surrey and in like White Rock and mm-hmm. um. And so I think that was the problem when uh, Kenny came back to Alberta. Was in Alberta, you in order to win a general election, you need to win over people in the suburbs of Calgary and Edmonton. Right, rural Alberta is going to vote conservative regardless, mm-hmm. with varying degrees of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. But they're going to vote for some sort of conservative party, whether it was PC or Wild Rose, more likely. But the the swing voter there, you can just cut their taxes, as as Danielle Smith, as Danielle Smith saw in in last year's election. Like all you need to do is promise tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Talk about how the NDP is going to increase your taxes, which was fictitious, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. And so the challenge for Paul Yev, right? He won the conservative nomination by again appealing to sort of these populist uh, sentiments, uh, promising that to be this sort of uncompromising uh, counterpoint to Trudeau. And now. What he needs to do is win the suburbs. And I think um, a lot of the policies he's advocating can do that. I mean, if you saw how Harper was able to 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 win in Brampton or in Surrey, right? It was through focusing on economic issues while also providing this sort of uh, veneer of inclusivity that was always uh, conditional inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Welcome to you, right? That that Kenny spearheaded. So you're welcome into the conservative fold. It doesn't matter what your background is, right? Where you came from. So as long as you accept our ideology, you're, you're golden. And... A big part of that was just Kenny showing up at cultural events, right? Raheem Jap, um, former uh, MP for uh, Edmonton Strathcona, which is actually the riding I live in. That's now mm-hmm. like one of the safest uh, NDP, federally, yeah. and not to mention provincially, because that's Rachel Notley's riding. Mm-hmm. Um, called the minister for Curry in a hurry, right? Because he was that was it. He barely spent any time in in Calgary in his riding because he was just. In the 905. Yeah. Showing up for people in, in cultivating these conservative elements within these diverse ethno-cultural communities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like uh winning over uh people in the suburbs of Calgary and Edmonton, the people in the suburbs of Toronto and Vancouver also just say you'll cut their taxes, talk a little bit about, you know, play up some maybe religious convictions that they have by talking about parental rights and 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 of course housing housing is huge because the housing crisis in in toronto and vancouver is such that it's even spreading to the suburbs right and this idea we're just gonna let urban sprawl develop unchecked and that's how we're gonna do it that's how we're going to make housing affordable. I mean, there is a certain, right? If you don't do your, the research on housing and 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 see that the data doesn't show that increased supply necessarily leads to affordability, I mean, it sounds convincing. So I I I think also right, like Polyev has the base fired up, just like Smith did. And it's just, will he win enough suburban votes to defeat Trudeau? And I think he absolutely will, because uh, part of it is people are so fed up with Trudeau. They're looking for something different. And Oliev had this rally in 
thousands of people were just packed in this gymnasium at like a golf course. And I was posting pictures from it and people were making me snide remarks about how everyone is white and old there. And I was like, no, no. I mean, that's there. There are a lot of old white people here. There are also young, diverse people here. And 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 I think that is why Polyev needs to be taken seriously as, 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 as a threat. And now he is. Now that it's probably too late. The the demographic makeup at the Polyev event wasn't it wasn't like your 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 grandparents' conservative party. It is more diverse. And and Kenny played a key role in opening the door for those constituencies in the Conservative Party of Canada. Okay. Question Is it mostly male? And from what that, you've seen? That's a good question. I mean, they're at all these things. I mean, I know there are women things. there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the majority. Like, it's a, this was this was like a couple of years ago. So my my memory of it. More recently, I went to a Tucker Carlson event in Edmonton with uh, Jordan Peterson and, and Danielle Smith and Conrad Black. The four of and well, and Rex Murphy was supposed to be there, but he <laughs> couldn't make it because. I don't know. He had an appointment with the crypt keeper or something, but <laughs> but I I I I remember like looking because especially with Jordan Peterson, you'd think that it would be like overwhelmingly male, and I think it was disproportionately male the audience. But again, a lot of these there were a lot of families there, right? So guy like takes his wife and kids to see yeah the event, and this is again this is a similar demographic. That uh, Polyev needs to end. Yeah, and is successfully cultivating, as mm. is Danielle Smith. Trudeau's coalition now yes. seems to be uh, uh, really uh, falling apart. Talk a little uh, bit about that. Well, I, I mean, you see it most, of course, with this uh, um, genocidal uh, massacre in, in Gaza. I was going to uh, ask you about this. I was going to ask you about, like, knowing electoral, electoral politics as much as you do um, from both Ontario and Alberta, which I think are two of the most... When you're talking about trends in national politics, Alberta and Ontario in English Canada really are the two provinces, right? Um, Quebec is... Quebec, which will Quebec, right? Right. They're weird. Yeah. But um, and and, and I, they're, I strong. I, they're strong. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, you know, if you're talking about English Canada, those are the two strongholds, basically. Yeah. So um, my question is about. So Kualiev is is net cultivating this sort of big tent under populist ideas. Right. And he's doing so by appealing to uh, libertarians, because, of course, you have the libertarian to populist to far-right pipeline. Um, you know, uh, affordability. And no matter how wrong he is in affordability, he's he's attacking it. He's going in there. And on the other hand, you have, like, Christian Freeland, Okay, who needs they need to to keep her from talking in public. They really yeah. do. Um Did so, you imagine if Trudeau uh steps down in the next couple of years and they pick her as, as Oh, the, they're dead. I mean she she'd be a Kim Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Because unfortunately that's what happens. Uh, you know, male politician will come in on this wave of goodwill and popularity and burn it and then leave it to uh, Hillary uh, Clinton, uh, a woman. Yeah, and again, I I I got lots of problems with Christia Freeland, but it, yeah. it, of course, um, there is an aspect of misogyny in. Oh, in definitely. Machine. So we, um, I would like to know, uh, number one, which parts of the Co Trudeau's coalition are falling apart, and how much Gaza has to do with it. Right. And I think, uh, and, you know, I don't have any authority to speak for racialized communities, but I do think that this is a big issue among not just Arabs, but 
or, or Muslims, but all racial, because they can see the double standard is so glaring between Ukraine and Gaza. And again, the two situations aren't entirely analogous. For example, Canada doesn't have a free trade agreement or send weapons to Russia uh, like they do Israel. Um, so, um, you know, in, in, in the case of Ukraine, we're on the side of the people being maimed and invaded. Uh, in in Gaza, we're uh, essentially uh, totally in support of it. I mean, Trudeau may say, make the odd criticism here and there, but isn't, I mean, Canada has leverage over Israel. And anyone who tells you we don't, that we can't impact events in the Middle East is lying to you because we have a free trade agreement with Israel. We sell them weapons, right? We give it diplomatic backing 99% of the time at the United Nations, right? These are things we could all change. But obviously with Muslims, I mean, you saw with the the this influential group of Muslim liberal donors who are just like, yeah, we're not supporting you. And then Trudeau, in response to that, votes for a ceasefire at the UN, but has done nothing to uh, bring it to fruition. Yeah, I think it definitely, uh, so obviously it hurts uh, liberals with the Muslim community. Um, now, the interesting thing with the Muslim community, and I've thought about this a lot, is there is there is some overlap that you see Muslims who have been speaking out against the horrors in Gaza, and rightfully so, and some conservative Muslims who support this uh, parental rights uh, movement, right? And so I could see some of them saying like, yeah, I don't agree with Polyev on Israel, but he's really not that different from Trudeau and he supports parental rights. And, and, and young voters, I think that's a huge thing. I mean, but but the electoral reform stuff, I mean, I think that uh, regardless of uh, one's, uh, you know, ethnic background or whatever, that disillusioned a lot of young Canadians who are excited. They're like, yeah, okay, I'll vote liberal. And then maybe in the next election, I'll vote for whoever I want because this will be the last one under first past the post. And I think that's what you like Trudeau. Clearly, he's surrounded by sycophants who are fueling his perception that he can bring back the magic of 2015, but he can't. And if, no. if, if, if he had, he would have in 2019 or 2021. Mm -hmm. And it just was the, the liberal share of the vote is declining. Mm -hmm. And Paul Yev, through his like internet savvy, through talking about things like affordability mm -hmm. and using this language of just freedom for, for everyone, mm -hmm. right? Every, he just wants everyone to be free. Mm -hmm. um, is, uh, I think, attracting young people. I mean, in large part, the fault of these liberal elites mm -hmm. who could, who had the ability to actually make transformative change. Well, I find that really interesting. Like they have the legitimacy to do it, but they do. Yeah. No, they, they, and I think, you know, there's a big backlash against that transformational change. And I think like, again, there's a lot of disillusionment because it was just a pig wrapped up in a, in pearls, you know? And they didn't they didn't want to change anything for obvious reasons. And they've disillusioned both sides because the left is dis disillusioned because they didn't do anything. And the right is disillusioned because they did too much. You know, so I think that, you know, they, too, wanted to be all things to all people instead of sticking with their their base and, and really strengthening that base and looking to to enlarge it. I really do think this wishy-washy politics is what killed is killing them in the end. Yeah, and using this hollow rhetoric of 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 uh, you know, diversity and inclusion which conservatives, you know, call wokeness and mm. see it as this active uh threat to our very social fabric has done nothing except discredit um the 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 actual material changes that are needed to bring about racial justice and mm -hmm. and, and, and and uh you know gender um equality and um um 
uh, uh, you know, and of course, economic uh, justice, right? But by putting, by using this this really hollow, empty language to describe the same old neoliberal slop, um, it, it it's you know opened the door for these right wing attacks on uh, something that these policies aren't, and that's gonna. Uh, set us back too, and that's why uh, you know I read that just to bring it back to my book. Uh, you know, I at the end of the book, it, it was like we we're going to progressive politicians need to offer a clear alternative vision for the future in response to these right wing demagogues. They can't just respond to each and every outrage. Right, like as we saw in Alberta. Oh, Danielle Smith said this. Oh, yeah, we know. Yeah, she believes all these awful things, but we know that. And people, again, I think through decades of neoliberalism, we don't. No one is looking for a politician who's a saint. Ooh. They're looking for someone who's going to make their lives materially better. Yeah. And because we're in such a position that the politicians who are saying, who are actually advocating material changes are like, yeah, we'll have, we'll make it so you pay less taxes because progressives aren't articulating a vision of like a reinvigorated welfare state of like a green new deal or a just transition. They're using that language to offer like the most minor tweaks that most people aren't even going to notice. And this is the Canada that Jason Kenney helped build. That so, played a key role in. So I'm. We're gonna. We're gonna end this delightful conversation <laughs> because I think you provided a lot of really good background as to where Alberta came from and where it is today and why Danielle Smith is the. I think she's. Yeah, she's the present and she's the future. Like people like her, and I think you're right in that. I think progressive parties and progressives have been so scared and so eager to move to the center to gain electoral votes that they left some behind. And so now, today, we don't have a counterpoint. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. So next time you come, because you got to come back, let's talk about the NDP race. Thank you for all your insights. And remember, everyone, to get um, Jeremy's book, Kennyism, Jason Kenny's Pursuit of Power. All right. So we'll see you soon, Jeremy. Yeah, for sure. On. Yeah, great to great to uh, be on here. I feel like I'm uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, you had <laughs> Martin Lukash on yeah. recently, Richard yeah. Gilmore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm liking new format. Oh, thank you. And uh, also, Janelle because... Massa, of course. Yes, yes. That was a good episode too. Yeah. So, um, also remember to subscribe to the Orchard. Yes, readtheorchard.org. Um, I write about all sorts of things, uh, including Alberta politics and Canadian politics and the situation in Palestine. And yep. uh, do a lot of media criticism as well, which uh, I think that there's uh, perhaps an underserved market. For yes, them. there's no room in that market, isn't there? <laughs> All right, bye. 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 Bye.